You don't really know much about Halloween. Halloween. The barriers will be down between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red. Halloween, the children. You happen to know anything about this Cochran? All I can tell you, mister, is watch out. Season He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Trick or treat, trick or treat. Hey, Mr. Cochran, just what is the final process? Fellas, I was just kidding. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. Hey! Where are they taking her? They're taking her to the factory. I want a mask. Can I have a mask? Uh, just what I had in mind for you, little buddy. Why, Cochran? Why? Do I need a reason? I've got nothing here to indicate there was ever a body at all. Operator, this is an emergency. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. You've got to believe me. They're going to kill us. All of us. Stop it! The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. Happy Halloween. Stop it! Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, the night no one comes home. Hello, and welcome to What Could Go Wrong? Oh boy, here we are in the month of October, and at the time of this uh, podcast, it's like we're on a Sunday, October 17th. Halfway through the month of October, just about uh, ready for Halloween, one of my favorite holidays. Of course, I mean, it used to be dressing up in costumes and, like, you know, munching down on all the candy imaginable. Now, I mean, when you grow up, it's all about all the horror movies you can uh, binge watch. And binging is what I have been doing, especially for this podcast. It's the double feature episode, so uh, it is what could go wrong for uh, today's topic, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. And then after that, we're going to go right in to the current Halloween Kills film that just released this weekend. I guess you could say this whole weekend, Michael Myers weekend, right? All right, so let's begin with Halloween 3. See, this all started in 1976 at the uh, Milan uh, Film Festival. John Carpenter impressed an independent film producer named Erwin Yablins uh, with his film Assault on Precinct 13. Reached out to him uh, to make a film about a killer who stalks babysitters. I mean, that sounds like a pretty uh, simple plot to go on, right? But... Kind of make it very impactful, like what The Exorcist did. So, wow. Yeah, no pressure. Anyway, Carpenter agreed as long as he had full creative control and was paid $10,000. I guess was a lot of money at that time. And the end results uh, created one of the scariest slasher characters ever, The Shape. Yeah, you thought I was going to say Michael Myers, right? That's a common misconception of the Halloween franchise. But if you pay attention to the credits of the first film, the credit character is called The Shape, even though the true name is spoken as Michael Myers. Cast would include Scream Queen uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Pleasance. This would be uh, distributed by Universal Pictures, released October 25th, 1978. Hey, that's about eight days from now. Uh, in theaters on a budget of three hundred dollars to $325,000. 
and made back 60 to $70 million box office. Wow. And we all know the story. If it's successful, it deserves a sequel. Carpenter and his then-girlfriend uh, producer Deborah Hill originally uh, planned for a sequel to happen, setting a few years after the events of Halloween and to conclude the story of Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. However, I mean, there was one problem. Carpenter didn't know exactly what to do. He writes uh, the Halloween 2 screenplay and then hands it to Yablins, who called it uh, very pedestrian and predictable. And that's when the gears of last desperation started to turn and came up with a plot twist that would go on to ruin the first run of the uh, Michael Myers franchise, making Laurie Strode Michael's long-lost sister. Carpenter immediately said that it was silly and foolish, but, I mean, if you knew that, then why do it? They also threw out the scenes uh, taking place a few years later because it happens, like, directly after the first film. But why? Because he said he didn't think there was much story left. Uh, but the damage was done. Tommy Lee Wallace, who was on the first film, worked as production designer, art director, editor, also donned the Myers outfit in some scenes where he has to go, like, you know, full Hulk mode. Uh, he was offered the director's chair for the second film, but left production after hearing about this uh, brother-sister plot twist. Production went on Halloween 2's budget a bit bigger from the originals. Uh, $2.5 million dollars. Critically panned, even calling out how stupid the brother-sister plot twist was, the film still made bank at the box office up to $25.5 million. Going back to Tommy Lee Wallace, he was uh, in New York, assuming while writing the screenplay for Amityville uh, to The Possession. Uh, he gets a call from producer Deborah Hill asking him to uh, come back and direct Halloween 3. Reluctantly, he agreed after hearing that the goal of the third film was to go in a new direction, away from Michael Myers, and had the idea to make and release a series of films annually under the name Halloween and would be about anything involving the holiday. And, uh, you know, just take the sec uh, successful ones, spin them off into their own line of films. Why does that sound familiar? All right, The Conjuring Universe. Well, anyway, Wallace was confident that this would be a moneymaker to Universal Pictures. So, as we know... That worked out great for uh, Warner Brothers with the Conjuring films and all those spinoffs, Annabelle, The Nun, and I, I think there were more. But hey, for Universal, what could go wrong? So making amends with Carpenter and Deborah, Wallace was ready to make his directorial debut with Halloween 3. But with no Michael Myers plan, I mean, where do they go? What could they do more with just the name Halloween? Well, Deborah had been playing around with the concept of witchcraft and computers, so so Carpenter reached out to somebody he was definitely a fan of. His name was uh, Nigel Neal. He was a writer from uh, Britain, and he was hoping he could expand on this uh, plot involving computers and witchcraft. Uh, Wallace believed Neal had an axe to grind with Hollywood due to lousy experiences. I mean, the script he turned in was about uh, deception, psychological shocks, and did not include horror for horror's sake. I mean... Yeah, that's that's not what the Halloween brand was aiming for, though. Neil was asserted by movie mogul uh, Dino De Laurentiis. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Anyway, uh, Laurentiis uh, wanted more graphic violence and gore. Even Wallace had some criticisms that were met with uh, much resistance, uh, but the plot remained the same. Neil was displeased with the uh, afterproduct, though. Uh, and later would threaten a lawsuit if uh, his name was not removed from the project, and the credit would instead go to Wallace. Yeah, good start here. 
So this end result, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, a story about how a doctor investigates a, a company who's producing Halloween masks uh, after a patient of his is assassinated mysteriously. This leads to the conclusion that the company, Silver Shamrock, has stolen a slab of the mythical Stonehenge and is trying to uh, utilize its magic within to broadcast a signal on television Halloween night for the kids to watch and then kill them and replace them with robots? Huh? Very loose body snatcher adaptation, says Wallace. Casting for the film has uh, Tom Atkins as the lead role of Dr. Dan Challens. Uh, Stacey uh, Nelkin as the daughter of the assassinated patient where Atkins' character you know, helps her discover who did this to her father and also becomes the stereotypical love interest here. Dan O'Herlihy, I think I'm pronouncing that right. You remember him from the first RoboCop uh, film. He is the uh, Silver Shamrock uh, business owner. Uh, cameos were also placed in this film with Jamie Lee Curtis doing voiceovers. Like, you know, whenever it cuts to a megaphone and there's somebody speaking, there's Jamie Lee Curtis. And I think she also did another one for, like, she's like the phone operator. Uh, Nancy Keys, uh, she has a cameo. She was, um, she was in the first Halloween film. And here she is in this small role playing Atkins' character's ex-wife, who, I mean, her only scene here is to just show how Atkins, uh, his character, is an irresponsible father. But according to the cast, I mean, they had fun on the set, even with director Tommy Lee Wallace. They describe him as a very, uh, you know, very chill, very chill guy to work with. But, you know, as Atkins puts it, you know, somewhat as a joke, uh, when you are an actor playing a character who's supposed to be a doctor and you do not so doctor things, instead you're having an argument <laughs> with your ex-wife on a payphone, and then you hang up, you see the woman you just involved yourself with, you grab a six-pack of beer, and you just hop into the car and off you go on this journey. I'm like, okay. No, I'm a great father. I'm just going to take this six-pack of uh, cores. I think that's cores he's grabbing. And then he just gets in the car and then just leaves. <laughs> Film's only 98 minutes here. Anyway, uh, this film was destroyed by fans and critics, mostly demanding where was Michael Myers in all of this. I mean, if you put Halloween 3 in the title, I mean... Yeah, that would pretty much do it. Yeah, Blends knew it was stupid to not include Michael Myers. Even Wallace said that it would have been better to just call it Season of the Witch. I mean, why didn't you, though? Probably because without the Halloween 3 title, I mean, the film would make less money, which is a very common thing at the box office. But once again, the budget was uh, $2.5 million, but made much less than Halloween 2 at uh, $14.4 million. It's pretty much convinced Universal Pictures that the idea to just make money on an uh, annual release of films centered around Halloween and not involve Michael Myers was shot. But you would think that they would learn from their lesson before going ahead with their dark universe thing, like with The Mummy, a few years ago. Yeah, you remember how successful that turned out? I'm not sure if they're doing that anymore. Anyway, um, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, uh, throughout the years, it picked up a cult following with admirers who praise of how different the film is and support the idea of what if the Halloween franchise had stayed the course, releasing different films annually. It did work for the Conjuring universe, but, I mean, I have my criticisms on that franchise. I mean, the first film was good. Everything else that followed afterwards was just dumb and stupid. But, I mean, who cares what I think, right? It made money. That's the most important thing about putting out a movie under a major studio label like Warner Brothers or whatever. 
As for the Halloween franchise, throughout the years would get uh, tossed around with distributions going to Galaxy, releasing to Miramax, to uh, Dimension Films uh, for the Rob Zombie remakes. Currently, circling back to Universal Pictures after going through uh, the ownership uh, handoff uh, after Disney was done with Miramax uh, under the care of uh, Bloomhouse Productions, who successfully rebooted the franchise with the 40th anniversary sequel, Halloween 2018, which uh, would later... Uh, announce a new timeline of films, continuing the constant struggle of Laurie Strode and Michael Myers to a final showdown with Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. Speaking of, welcome to the review of Halloween Kills. Let's have a listen to that trailer. Hey, what are you guys doing out here? It's Halloween. We've been trick-or-treating. Are you alone? There's a creepy man in a white mask. Where? And he keeps, like, trying to play hide-and-seek with us. Where did you see him? Look! Run! Go home now! Set the fire. No one told you. <gasps> told me what? Michael Myers is alive. A man couldn't have survived that fire. Forty years ago, the boogeyman came for us. We are the survivors of Michael Myers. Lori, what do we do? We fight. Mom, our family will kill him. We're gonna hunt him down and we're gonna put an end to this. He is not gonna stop killing until we stop him. If you track Michael's victims, that's a straight line to Michael's childhood home. Someone's in our house. He's coming for me. But I'm coming for him. But before we get into the review, I mean, we got to address some things first in regards to uh, Halloween Kills. Uh, first of all, I mean, this was teased around Halloween of 2019, promising us a release of Halloween 2020. It was around this time, yeah, two years ago, Jamie Lee Curtis uh, put out a little teaser showing the aftermath of Laurie Strode's last confrontation with uh, Michael Myers. And we wouldn't hear or see anything else uh, within about a half year later. When our good old buddy COVID-19 took center stage, offsetting a lot of film productions and releases. And around that time, Universal was going through a battle of its own uh, with uh, theaters everywhere. I won't lie, what Universal did here was a bit mean, but not with any handling of uh, Halloween kills. See, this all started when they uh, digitally released, uh, I think it was Trolls World Tour. It's com It's a complicated story. You know, overall, but I I understand where the theater, uh, why the theaters were mad about this decision. 
uh, because when you when you did that, you kind of just took away revenue from theaters. Uh, but it went further than that. If you recall my episode where in June of uh, 2020, COVID-19 restrictions were uh, being lifted slightly, um, I uh, made it to a theater that I oftenly frequent. And uh, I saw that they were uh, on their showings that week that they, they were going to do like, you know, just a lot of throwback movies. One of them uh, being uh, Jurassic World. I'm like, yeah, I love that movie. And you know what? I, I just might as well do an episode, see how, uh, you know, they're still keeping up with some restrictions to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. So I'll go through that experience for you. I remember this quite well because, I mean, this happened one week before I found out I was going to be a father. <laughs> Timing on that one. Well, anyway, I did that episode, yeah, just to ease the tension on, like, going to the theater, watching a movie, because it is still such a magical moment, no matter what movie you're going to be watching at that theater, as I always say. Um, but when I planned to go watch Jurassic World, which is owned by Universal Pictures, I had to falter back to Sonic the Hedgehog. Why? It's because with the drama between Universal Studios and theaters, Universal kind of threw an order forbidding all theaters to play any of their movies. And we're talking any of their movies from their whole library. And I was like, wow, I was not expecting that. I didn't think a major motion picture studio like Universal would ever go through something like that. But anyway, while all that drama was getting settled, Halloween Kills was delayed until Halloween of 2021. I remember uh, them saying Halloween Films uh, is a theater experience. So, I mean, that's the main focus. Get people back into the theaters. Good. Great. So, why did they decide last minute to put it on the Peacock app for subscribers anyway? I, probably because something with uh, the Delta variant, maybe. Who knows? But they uh, released it in both theaters and uh, the Peacock app. So, I mean, let, let's hope uh, there's not going to be any more drama between cast and studios. You hear me, Disney? No more problems. You're kidding, right? Of course there were more problems. So, yeah. <laughs> this uh, this past June, around the release of F9, somebody leaked the teaser, which uh, forced Universal to surprise uh, release, uh, it, like, the first trailer later that night. And, like, late at night. Uh, it showed promise. I mean, I was impressed by it. And then we got the final trailer that revealed the whole uh, stream. Oh, we're going to stream the movie after all. Are we done? Uh-uh, no, because uh, Cancel Culture wants a piece of this action right here. In the trailers, uh, you can see Michael Myers, you know, fighting firefighters. And a soon-to-be firefighter saw this, as well as their mom. Did not appreciate that scene, not having seen the movie yet. A petition has been launched in an effort to have uh, this scene removed on change.org. Uh, I was going to leave this alone until I actually read the notes on the uh, petition. It reads... Uh, they want the firefighter scene in the film removed due to actual events they say have happened. Uh, firefighters being led and attacked by the person who started the fire. Let me pause right there. I do not disagree with that statement. I mean, I haven't read anything about that, but I believe that could actually happen. So, I mean, that that's credible. However, this does not apply to the Halloween film Michael Myers didn't start the fire, by the way. He didn't call firefighters over there. I mean, he wasn't trapped in Lori Strode's house on the phone, uh, dialing 911. It's like, 911, what's your emergency? Help! 
<laughs> that wasn't him. No, Lori Strode is the one who started the fire in the last film, and she didn't call the firefighters. They went there seeing the blaze in the night distance. Still, I understand this person's concerns, but with their complaint here, it's just not really adding up. Um, but there's more. There's more in this note. It goes on to say that uh, Michael didn't have to do all of that to the firefighters after they saved him and went on his way to kill his sister. See, th this is where I just could not leave it alone. I don't know what Halloween films they might have saw, but if you allow me to play this clip from the original. I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. You know, I really do hate to play the nerd like this, but I mean, that there you have it. But even someone who doesn't even watch movies but has definitely seen the first Halloween film know what Michael Myers is all about. Also, another case in point, The Terminator. It's right. It's in the dialogue. It doesn't feel pity or sadness. It's emotionless. Can't be bargained with. Can't be reasoned with. Its only mission is to terminate. Anyway, the petition wants to meet its goal of 500 signatures and has already nearly 400 so far. But I mean, if they're really upset with this, I think what Jamie Lee Curtis uh, should do is actually have a sit down with them because I mean, you can't be mad at her. She's sweet. She can calm this situation down. All right. Here we go. Halloween Kills. This is directed again by David Gordon Green, uh, who also directed one of my favorite comedies, Pineapple Express. We got returning stars Jamie Lee Curtis, top billed as Laurie Strode, uh, Judy Greer as Karen, Andy Matichik as Allison. Three people play The Shape, or a.k.a. Michael Myers. Uh, James Jude Courtney, Nick Castle, the OG Michael Myers from the 1978 film. Well, one of them. And then another one who plays a younger version of uh, Michael Myers. Then we have uh, Iron Armstrong, Will Patton as Officer Hotkins, Dylan Arnold, the cheating boyfriend of the last film, and Omar Dorsey as the sheriff, also returning from the first, very first Halloween film. Uh, Kyle Richards, who played the little girl Lindsay, Nancy Stevens, the nurse uh, with Dr. Loomis, and Charles Cyphers. I was surprised to see Charles in this film as Sheriff uh, Bragg, and I'm like, jaw dropped, yelling out, holy moly! That was a surprise to me. I'm like, wow. I mean, that was great. That was great having like all the old cast in this film. Uh, new cast here. Uh, Dead Zone series, Anthony Michael Hall as uh, returning character Tommy Doyle. Yeah, there is a story behind that. They wanted Paul Rudd to reprise uh, the role as uh, Tommy Doyle, but he was busy with uh, Ant-Man 3. He wasn't the original Tommy, though. He was uh, grown-up Tommy Doyle in, I think, The Curse of Michael Myers, Halloween 6, before H2O. I don't know. I don't really follow this franchise much. Uh, Robert uh, Longstreet, you might recall from The Haunting of Hill House as Mr. Dudley. Scott McArthur uh, from Fox's The Mick. And Michael McDonald, who needs no introduction, by the way. Stuart, you owe me an apology. No, what I owe you is, look what I can do. 
I'll be honest, when I saw his name in the credits, I'm like, it can't be that Michael McDonald because that, no, you're playing off as a comedy here. Actually, now that I think about it, did they put Michael McDonald in there as a joke anyway? Because this wouldn't be the first time he is associated with Michael Myers. In fact, his name wasn't Michael Myers. His first association was with Mike Myers in a little film called Austin Powers. They're coming! Hang on, I'm gonna floor it! Watch out! Move! 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 Careful, Austin! Watch out! Watch out! I mean, Michael McDonald, I loved him in Mad TV. He definitely is a very fun guy, especially when he has these small roles in films. But to have him in Halloween with the character of Michael Myers after having worked with an actor named Mike Myers, I can't help but say you you knew exactly what you were doing with Michael McDonald. I gotta throw shenanigans on this. But all right, here we go with the review. So, I mean, here we are with... The direct follow-up from the ending of Halloween 2018, nothing's changed with the plots. I mean, that much. It's just Michael Myers uh, is still alive, shocker, but uh, with the news that he has returned, it's time for the hunter to become the hunted. Well, what I liked about uh, the last film is that uh, they did this very beautifully. Uh, the narrative about dealing with trauma and how it can impact your life, and not just you, but, I mean, your family, friends, uh, Laurie Strode is the perfect character to pull that off. Too bad none of that is here, but does offer not only more narratives, but more to the story of what we already know, but kind of done in a very realistic approach. Like We're given this flashback scene. Uh, they, they, add, uh, they add on to what happened on the night of 1978. These uh, group of cops are planning to get Michael... Uh, and then one of them says uh, very something upsetting. One of the cops didn't like, yeah, good guys killing the bad guys. One cop just has to like, you know, just stop, pause, and just shakes his head. It's like, come on, man, no. And then they go into a very interesting exposition about one of them knowing Michael Myers when he was a kid. I'm like, wow, oh, okay, this is very interesting. I like that. I, re I really did like that. So uh, there are some good scenes of dialogue. Even when it comes to, like, you know, the slasher aspect, it got creative, but very overshadowed in all this dumbness. The narrative or social commentary on uh, writing, I think, is what they were going for. It's kind of poorly executed here. I mean, I, I don't even know how it took off, though. I mean, it just started. It's like uh, Michael Myers is on the loose. A riot is forming to get Michael. But it's like, okay, what does he look like? And I can't stop and go, uh, hello, hi, yo. No, see, what they do is they just point at random people and say, there goes Michael. You might as well add to the, hey, that cat doesn't look right. That's got to be Michael Myers. It's played off stupidly. I'm sorry. The new characters that are introduced, uh, they're just introduced to be victims of Michael Myers, not given any kind of character whatsoever, and that's a pet peeve of mine. Uh, and some death scenes were just not necessary. I think they did that with the uh, the sequel to the first Halloween film in 1981. Uh, Crew said they had to just add scenes to fill in for time. 
or maybe to appease those who uh, admire Michael Myers's work. And if uh, that, I mean that's why you're going to see this film, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna keep my mouth shut on that one. But speaking of, there is a lot of callbacks uh, to fans of the franchise. I didn't find you know that much of a problem with like they throw in the masks from Season of the Witch in here, and I'm like, so I mean, what? They're they're masks. It's it's a callback. It's an Easter egg uh, for the fans of the franchise. No problem. Uh, and I really loved that they digitally resurrected Dr. Loomis for one scene, uh, even though the actor had already you know passed on decades ago. That was actually pretty cool. I know I'm going back and forth on this, but everybody, I just cannot get over the dumbness here. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Going back to poorly written characters. Oh, no, something's in the house. Well, what does he want? How about you go out of the house, go, call the police. Instead, no. We get the whole, well, I'm going to show him entering my house. And seeing the inevitable events unfold here, it's like, I'm not going to wait for you. No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to say this, but you deserve that. No, you deserve that. You had a window of opportunity here. No, I will not wait for you. Michael Myers is proven to just walk. Why can't you run? It's like everyone forgot what running was. Well, I mean, one character made the smart move to run, and Michael Myers couldn't catch up. But really, one? Even Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, I mean, she was acting foolish in some scenes. I mean, that is definitely not what she would do, especially judging from the last film. And to make matters worse... She's hardly in the film. Top build actor is hardly in this movie. I know it's a trilogy here, which kind of spoiled the ending for me because I knew what was going to happen. I just didn't think they would go that way. But I will say the climax leading to the ending was fresh, so I'll give it props. And then finally, there's the music. I mean, my gosh, that music was tight. That music was great and awesome. Really engages you with like every scene in this film. And who do we have to thank for the music? Oh, I, Mr. Halloween himself, John Carpenter. Really captures that retro feel. All right. I think that's about all I have to say about uh, everything here. Uh, so it's time for the final verdict. Halloween Kills, this is a step down from the previous film. I mean, it tries to be cryptic, creative, and mysterious about what Michael Myers is. Uh, but after viewing it, I can't help but say, I mean, this was just something to watch because nothing else was playing. And they probably have no idea what they're going to do with Halloween End. So I'm I'm not going to be getting hyped for a uh, epic conclusion here. So I will let you decide on either streaming it on Peacock TV for $4.99 subscription or in theaters at a very early matinee. I have to give it three out of five for Halloween Kills. All right, that is all the Michael Myers I can handle. It's going to be another big week ahead uh, for uh, this podcast. Uh, it's uh, going to be all about Dune. Oh, boy. I have not seen the original film, and I heard it's very bad. So that is what is going to be coming up next. And might have to make it another double feature because I will be hosting a watch party this Friday on my uh, Facebook page, Tyler Woods KHQ. You can also follow me on Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, TylerWoods106, and Twitter at Woods Radio. Like to be part of the show? Email me, tyler.woods at 106khq.com. Catch you later. Mm-hmm.